You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 58, What's So Funny? In Ecclesiastes 3, when Solomon is writing about times in our life, uh, seasons, he mentions a time to weep and a time to laugh. And laughter is what we are talking about today on the podcast. I feel like laughter is a needed part of not just youth ministry, but ministry in general, because we all need to be able to laugh at ourselves uh, or else more tragic feelings and other things will follow. Uh, And to help me talk about that element of being able to have joy and laugh and really to have it be a barometer of the people around you is a comedian named Bob Smiley. Uh, I mentioned it in uh, our conversation, but I saw Bob back in high school, uh, and it was fun uh, to hear from him and to have him on the podcast. And so we talk about uh, his beginning in comedy and uh, how God opened some really neat doors, uh, and he was able just to kind of wander through them, uh, and really how uh, God has used him Uh, and his gifts as a ministry, and also, as I mentioned, being able just to uh, meet and really get to know how people are and uh, what he can do for them uh, using the gifts that God has given him. So, let's listen in on this fun conversation with Bob Smiley. All right, Bob, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Well, first of all, thanks for having me because it was that or Mo. And so if I could <laughs> tell my wife I'm doing something different, you know, that's related to my job, uh, then, uh, you know, it gets me out of it. So thank yeah, you. This is sure. uh, an honor. Um, yeah. So uh, the first question was uh, tell people about myself. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm five eleven and a half, unless a guy asks me, I, and then I'm six foot because uh, all guys have to say they're six foot. Um, I have been doing stand up comedy for over 20 years, which makes me a hotel shampoo collector. Um, and then recently, thanks for COVID, uh, I am a really good Uber Eats driver, a uh, substitute teacher, um, <laughs> pretty much whatever <laughs> will pay the bills. So that's uh, it's a brave new world, man. So things look a lot different now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I was telling you just a minute ago offline. Uh, but yeah, I saw you back when I was in high school uh, in Phoenix, four miles down the street from my house was a tiny little D3 nonprofit school called Grand Canyon University. And now it's a <laughs> D1 for-profit huge uh, school. Um, but yeah, man, I'm glad to see that you're still in the game. Uh, this is this is fun. This will be fun. And so this episode, uh, we're talking about an element in youth ministry that is treasured and often expected, uh, laughter. As I mentioned in the intro, laughter is mentioned throughout scripture. And one of those times in Ecclesiastes 3, when Solomon includes laughter as a time to be had throughout life. Uh, Like many feelings and acts we engage in, laughter is much more than just a reaction. There's so much more tied to it. 
Um, and scripture links it to joy often. So Bob, let's start by talking about uh, the beginning of your journey in professional comedy. Aside from having the perfect last name, what prompted you to pursue it? Well, first of all, I want to go back to you saying you saw me in high school because that's that's a huge compliment that you remembered me, but that's happening more and more. I actually had a guy bring his son and he introduced himself and he was like, I saw you when I was in high school and now I'm bringing my son to you. So it, it was meant to be a great compliment, but all I could think of was, man, I have, I'm old. I've been yeah. doing this for way, way too long. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always loved comedy. Like I, I, I grew up in a very, very small town. We had 281 people in our town. Uh, they, we actually could get together and count. Uh, the, <laughs> it was a very, very, very tiny town. So we didn't have comedy shows and we didn't have a lot of entertainment or anything. And fortunately my dad was hilarious. My dad is, is still really, really funny. And he was the school superintendent. Uh, at my school. And so he would come in and sit and have lunch with me every once in a while. And we would just recap the day. We wouldn't plan stuff out. We weren't writing material or anything, but everybody wanted to sit at our table because we were just funny. And so I realized early on that comedy was very, very powerful. You know, uh, I actually read in a, in, I, there was a in-flight magazine that had a little medical article and it said that that morphine is uh, that laughter is 10 times more powerful than morphine. Mm. And I remember just thinking about like, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen laughter. Uh, be a, the joke I use on stage is, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, we still need morphine. If I break my leg in half, I don't want my doctor standing over me going knock, knock, you know? Uh, <laughs> so we, we do, I'm not saying we don't need medicine, but man, I've seen laughter change people's lives, you know, or, or just m- more importantly, one thing I love about doing standup is I'm watching families because I do all clean comedy. I'm watching families come together and be able to laugh and not worry about, you know, being offended or, you know, me saying something that's going to cause them to have to blush or something. And I'm, I'm watching them laugh. And a lot of the people, especially lately uh, are laughing for the first time in a long time. And it, you really can standing on stage, you can see this healing power. Um, you know, one of, one of the comments that me and my comedian friends get a lot is, man, thanks for, for coming out and doing a show because I, I haven't laughed like that in a long time. And I think they're realizing what a, what a powerful tool laughter is. And, you know, they, if, if you go a long time without it, you know, it's like you go a long time without water, you know, you're like, you know, you always, you're always going to pick the Dr. Pepper, but you go a long time without water. You're, you're like, oh, I remember water's good, you know? And I think I think laughter is like that too. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. But I grew up like my dad was just really funny, and so I, I grew up loving comedy. My da- my dad would do things. I'm trying to think of an example. My dad uh, taught me that it, uh, if the ice cream van was playing music, it meant it was out of ice cream, and you know, just stuff like that all the time. That I was like, this is this is comedy workshop right now. You know that I got to I got to grow up in and. I just uh, loved it. And um, you asked me, you know, kind of like, how did I end up doing this and stuff all through my life? It was weird looking back how people would tell me like they would just assume that I was pursuing comedy because I wasn't, I was going to be a teacher. Uh, I was going to be an elementary ed teacher. And that was my goal in life. And people would come up to my first week at uh, college. I went to Abilene Christian university 
which they always say you can't put a price on Christian education, but man, they billed me for years <laughs> on it. But they, uh, the first week we were there, you know, we were, everybody was doing activities and stuff. And so I kind of established myself as, you know, a funny guy on campus. And I remember this guy just stopped me. We, I was just walking across the campus center and he said, Hey, you should do a bit on hotel uh, soap being really small. And I was like, what do you mean a bit? And he goes, you know, like in, when you do stand up, you should talk about the hotel soaps, how they're really small. And I was like, I don't, I don't do stand up. And he was like, yeah, but when you do stand up, you should do a bit about that. And then he just walked out. I didn't know the dude or anything. And that would happen a lot where people just assumed that I was headed for a career in stand up comedy. And so I probably was one of the last people to catch on to what God really wanted me to do. And, um, it, you know, it, it took me a while. Uh, I did a stand up competition my junior year in college and I didn't even do it because, you know, that was a, a career opportunity that I, I thought, you know, well, I can, I can start, you know, doing this. I literally did it because first prize was $500 and in Abilene, that's like six months rent. So <laughs> I, I was like, I got to do this. And so I did that. I won, not even because I was good. Everybody else was so bad that I just, you know, uh, I won. And so I graduated before I became a teacher. I wanted to see what it was like to actually make money. And so I had been doing photography during the summers. And so I worked for this photographer for a year to kind of, you know, get a nest egg started up. And then I felt like if I had, if I was debt free and everything, then I could start teaching and I wouldn't have to pick a school based on, you know, money or anything. So I was doing that. Uh, I did that for a year. And then I was driving uh, in Dallas. And again, this is going to show how old I am, but my pager went off. Uh, I, I was doing quite well. I had a pager and it was area code 615. And so I thought it was, a you know, somebody calling about photography. And I pulled over at a Cracker Barrel payphone and called this dude. And he was a friend of mine from college that I hadn't seen in a while. And he said, you know, hey, uh, I tracked you down. I'm road managing a guy named Clay Cross, who's a Christian singer. And we're about to leave for tour. Uh, and Clay and I just had a meeting and he said it'd be fun to have a comedian come out and just kind of MC and keep the crowd going and stuff. Um, so I saw you do this stand up competition in college and you were really funny and you were clean. Um, do you want to go on tour with us? And man, Jeff, I was standing at a Cracker Barrel payphone in Dallas, Texas, not realizing this was about to change my life. And I, I go, how long is the tour? And he goes, well, it's six weeks, but we're going to try to make it eight. And I remember just being so flippant about it and just going, um, yeah, OK, I'll do that. And I hung up the phone. I booked a one way flight uh, to Nashville. I got off a plane, got on a tour bus and went out as a working comedian. And at that point in my life, I'd done stand up three times. So wow. that's why whenever people ask me, you know, like, how did you get your start and all that? I really, I credit my, my parents. I, I credit all my dad's friends because I grew up watching people be really funny and kind of grasp the idea that humor is a great way to draw people in, to get them to listen to you. Uh, if they're, if you make them laugh, they'll lower their walls and allow you to actually speak to them. They, they hear you, they listen better. Um, and so I realized, oh, this is an opportunity. I can, if I can make people laugh, then I can share testimony. I can talk about Jesus. You know, I like it, it, it definitely is a powerful tool. So that's, yeah, that's, I know you asked a simple question. I gave you a plot, but 
that's how I got into it. No, man, I, I love those answers because, um, yeah, I mean, I've talked about it several times on here and I'll talk about it more, but really just the, the, how our lives are driven by narrative and story and where we are. And when, when someone asks us a question, we, we usually answer with a story because we think about our own lives and experiences. And, um, yeah, it's really cool to see, um, just starting off with your dad and then, people automatically associate you as a funny guy and like, Oh, you know, I'm going to win this prize. And, and next thing you know, you're on a tour bus and, and here we are. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's awesome. And I, lo- I love to hear that. And, uh, I think kind of that same setup you had is what many people would say about where God has taken them in their life. And they look back now and they think at the time, I didn't think this was really a big deal or that it would turn into something. But now looking back, I, I can clearly see God lining up these things for me. And it's just really neat to have that uh, perspective. Yeah, um, I, I had a light bulb moment. I was living in Nashville. I uh, toured with Clay Cross and then the newsboys saw me. And so they asked me to, to go on tour with them, which at the time, again, growing up this small country kid, I had no idea what a huge opportunity it was to, to be asked to tour with this band, this huge band. And it turned out to be the number one tour in Christian music that year. It was called the Take Me to Your Leader Tour. <clears throat> and so I took that. And I just kept thinking, I'll just keep taking these tours until people figure out I'm not a comedian. <laughs> and then I'll go back to Texas and start teaching, which was you know my plan. And I remember... I'd gotten off tour with, with the Newsboys. I did a Supertones tour. And then I remember sitting in my house in Nashville. I bought a little starter home and I still didn't have the mindset that I was a comedian. I really had the mindset that I was going to do this until the comedy police came and arrested me for being a fraud. And then I would go back to Texas and <clears throat> I was writing a bit about my dog and I couldn't get this joke to work. And I actually it was at my kitchen table and I was like, I don't even know why I'm working so hard on this because I'm not a comedian. And I had a dry erase board up on the wall that had all my show dates, all my solo show dates. It was just me. And it was mostly like youth groups because that's you know what, what I was doing. <clears throat> and I, I remember thinking, I don't even know how long I'm going to still be doing comedy. And I looked up and for the next four months, you know, I had like 40 shows. And I don't know why it took me so long to realize that this is what God wanted me to do. But I looked up and seeing those all those show dates and, and actually questioning myself, like, why am I working so hard on this joke? And then looking up, oh, it's because this is who I am. This is this is huge. So I did. I sat there at the table and I looked back at all those like open doors and I still had to work really hard. But God just kept opening these doors, you know, like trying to show me like this is what I have planned for you. And so I was, I was very, very fortunate to uh, start out like that because I don't think I would have pursued it on my own. It wasn't a dream. I didn't think, first of all, I didn't know you could do comedy in churches. You know, again, growing up in a country church, we didn't have a lot of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I wouldn't have ever pursued it if God hadn't really opened the door. And uh, it does make, because I do a lot of youth group shows and kids will be, you know, after the show, they'll be like, I want to be a comedian. How do How do I do it? And I'm like, do a stand-up competition your junior year in college and wait for somebody <laughs> to call you. Like, duh, you know, like I don't, I don't really have a good uh, answer for that, but that's that's how it worked for me. Yeah, that's really cool, man. I love that. Love that. Well, uh, as you mentioned, you know, talking about just how uh, people 
change things. And I mean, growing up in and where you grew up, uh, you know, comedy and church that wasn't a link that you put together. And really, the the world of comedy is always changing and shifting with culture, right? And it's not just because of pop references, like uh, you know, if you were to like when you mentioned the pager and payphone, people are like, "What is that?" Right? Yeah. Um, but also the the views of what's fair game and what's off limits. Um, one example that I can think of is Steve Carell recently saying that The Office wouldn't work today because several of the jokes and character treatments are now considered taboo and insensitive. But to counter that, I feel like being somewhat offensive or shocking a little bit is something that has always been a staple of comedy. Uh, but of course, in Christian, in the Christian context, there's always been more boundaries on, on what's allowed. And for some people, it's harder to maybe stay clean or to walk that line. So, Bob, do you find that it's more challenging for you or maybe comics in general the longer you stay in the game? That's a great question. Um, yeah, you you don't ever want to offend anybody. Like you obviously want to, I mean, as far as a Christian comic now comics in, you know, secular world and stuff, they love to go up and they feel like if they're not offending somebody, they're not really doing their, they're not pushing the envelope. Um, We just want to make people laugh. We want to make people feel good. And then hopefully uh, if I can make them laugh, like I said before, then I can, you know, share scripture, share, you know, something like, I feel like I'm, I have a little more purpose than just making, you know, people laugh, but you're gonna offend somebody. And, you know, us Christian comics, we're always trying to figure out like where the line is because we want to have enough, you know, we want to be able to write about all these different topics, but we don't know what's taboo. And every state, every church that you walk into, it's always going to be different where that line is. You know, I remember one of my best friends is Tim Hawkins. Um, I remember the first time I heard him say the word fart on stage (laughs) and I was sitting in the back and we had, we kind of wrote the bit, you know, going to the venue, but we weren't like, I wasn't thinking it was a bit to do on stage. We were just being funny. And then he got up and did this bit about farts and i remember sitting in the back going hang on wait a minute can you say that oh this opens up so much more material (laughs) like if you can so you kind of you kind of it's trial and error of what you want to do so here's here's a i think a good answer for your question comics write about what they know so you you should be writing about your life about what you see and all that if you're filtering everything. If you're living a Christian life, you're going to filter the material that you write through the eyes of a Christian man trying to write, you know, funny comedy. So I'm always, you know, I'm going to do a show that my parents could sit and listen to me. I'm always going to do a show that my kids could sit and listen to me. So I'm never going to write anything that I think is offensive. And so I think that's a great way to start uh, with what, you know, what kind of humor do you want to present to people is, you know, what kind of humor do I think is okay? And then I start with that, but then you're still going to offend people. I mean, I, I did it, this was years and years ago, but I had a joke about Michael Jackson and it wasn't about any of the controversy or anything. It was just about him, uh, being weird looking. That was it. And it wasn't even that it wasn't mean spirited or anything. And I remember a lady came right up to the merch table after the show. And she was like, how dare you make fun of Michael Jackson? He is a blessing from God. He, and she just tore into me. 
And I was like, and it was one line in an hour and 20 minute show. And she would not let up. And she goes, I want you to promise me you're never going to tell that joke again. And I was like, ma'am, I'm, I'm going to tell that joke tomorrow night in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. Like it, it's, it's not offense. It's not, but she just was a huge Michael Jackson fan. And so you're always going to offend some people. And so what you do is you just go up, you have the material, it's going to be clean if you're a Christian comic and, you know, you just put it out there and you really hope to, to not offend people as you get. It is getting harder though. I saw a cartoon. Uh, it was a photo of a guy uh, standing in a glass cage and he had a microphone and a dad with his kids had walked up and they were looking into this glass of this guy standing there. And the dad said, look, kids, this is what used to be called a comedian before everybody got offended. And I was like, that's actually, it's becoming true. Like it is, everybody is looking to be, you know, I don't want to say everybody. Let me change that. There are a lot of groups that I guess they just don't have Netflix or cable or anything because they're just out of things to worry about or to do, to do. And they fill their time being offended for some. And I think a lot, what I see, especially on social media is the people that get offended it, they're not even offended personally. They're offended for another group because it makes them feel good, makes them feel righteous. And yeah. a lot of times the group that they're trying to, you know, represent is not even offended, you know? So there's just so much of that kind of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, that line, I love that cartoon. That's That's pretty funny. I feel like you could put, so many other things in that box as well. Um, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about too much, maybe because my audience is probably tired of me talking about it, but just the polarization and, and divisiveness in our country on everything. Yeah. Politically, it's very interesting because I've got a couple of jokes in my, cause I'm not very political, but I've got a couple of jokes, uh, that I'll do and I can read the audience immediately. And then depending on that response, they'll get a whole different five minute routine, you know, based on, you know, politically or, or you know, where, wherever they're at, you know, Michigan is going to get a different show than Texas, yeah. you know, because people are, it is polar. I mean, and, and I'm seeing it, I'm seeing more lines drawn in the sand about all different types of topics. And people are just adamant about their beliefs and stuff, which I think to some point is good. But at some point, you got to step back and go, hey, we're all on this crazy small little pebble called Earth and we're just trying to get along. And, you know, I I think people they leave out the word love, um, you mm. know, whenever they're, they're thinking about how to correct somebody or how to, you know, it's just I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a soapbox probably for another podcast. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. And, you know, just real quick too. And this might even touch on this follow-up question I wanted to ask, but you know, people draw lines in the sand when they should maybe not even use a pencil to draw a line and they (laughs) just need to distinguish themselves. And, um, so I'm not sure, uh, how you might answer this question. Uh, it might be some just funny behind the scenes stuff that we don't know about, but, uh, are there any frustrations or what are some things that you feel like comics, especially Christian comics share that maybe the general public doesn't really know about? That's kind of just like you guys are all aware of it, whether it's a show dynamic or whether it's watch out for this, or did you see that, that that's awesome. Anything kind of behind the scenes that we might not know about? 
Yeah. So, <clears throat> so we're in this business because we're funny. And so we know how to be funny. And if you've been doing it for a long time, you're, you know, you're, you found what you're good at and that's making people laugh. And so some of the frustrations that, that we talk about every time I get together with one of my, my comedy buddies, all we want to talk about is the bad shows. Like we don't ever want to talk about how good we did. We want to talk about the, you know, junior high lock-ins at 4 a.m. right after the shaving cream fight. And, you know, they're hyped up on Jolt and, you know, and then they're like, hey, and here's Bob Smiley. Hey, waka, 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 you know, like those horrible situations. And so the frustration is if you bring us in to do a show, uh, let us do what we do. This is why we travel around the country and make a living uh, do or used to make a living. Thanks for bringing up that painful memory. Um, but <laughs> before COVID, you know, and so many people, they comedy is not their their strongest talent. But when they bring you in, they they want to be a part of. It. So they I, the frustration comes when if you're going to bring us in, let us just do our show. There's so many people that have ideas of like, OK, here's what we're going to do. Uh, the kids will be eating and then. Uh, I'll get up and start making some announcements. And then you pretend you're a waiter bringing me a glass of water. And then I'll, uh, I'll say, well, what are you doing up here? They're like, well, do you want to talk? And then you grab the mic and start telling jokes. And, stuff. and I'm like, how about you just introduce me as a comedian and just let me do my show? You know, we'll, we'll dress you up like a broom and I'll sweep with you. And then all of a sudden you jump out and go, Hey, I'm not a broom. I'm a comedian. You know, like, like just let oh, us man. do the show. And there's all this frustration in the setup. <clears throat> I try to handle all this beforehand, but like I'm doing one this weekend. I'm doing a, a youth event. It's a banquet. And I was like, tell me the setup of how it is. And like, well, uh, we'll there's a buffet. And uh, so we'll give the kids an instruction for the buffet and then we'll turn it over to you. And I was like, you mean while the kids are getting up and getting the food at the buffet and then sitting down and eating and all that? And uh, they're like, yeah, is that oh, is that a, is that a problem? I'm like, yeah, if you want to comedy, I know this is going to sound weird, but uh, in order for comedy to be successful, people have to hear the words, you know, they have to be able to perceive what, what you're, what you're talking about on stage. And so, yeah, there's, that's probably the biggest frustration is that the, the setup and there's all these comedy killers, you know, big round tables where people are separated, makes it harder because comedy is an in intimate thing. If people are dressed up, um, you know, if it's a big open room where the laughter, you know, if laughter just kind of dissipates, uh, then people are a little more self-conscious about laughing. So like a good, small, tight room uh, where everybody's together uh, is great. No distractions, like no eating or any any of that kind of stuff uh, is good. But that that's kind of where the frustration comes for it, because you work so hard to put together an act. And then sometimes you show up and you're like, oh, this is just not going to work. You know, no mm. matter no matter what you do. I did a show one time. It was in Indiana and it was a two mile racetrack. And I got there and the guy wanted me to stand on the stage and do stand up for a crowd that was in the bleachers 100 yards away from the <laughs> middle of the stage. I was in the middle of the track and he wanted me to do stand up as like the cars would go by, no. stop talking, no. and then they would go. And then they wanted me to entertain them while they did this two mile. Like it was just so weird. <laughs> I did one for a youth group. This is when I first was first starting out. It was a, a Super Bowl party, and 
the guy wanted all the kids to come to the church to watch the Super Bowl, which was great, but he didn't want them to see the commercials because he didn't want to be, you know, have beer commercials and all that kind of stuff. So he hired me to get up during the commercials and do stand up. Now, there's no way to time all that. And there was like a 12 foot screen behind me and he didn't turn the commercials off. He just muted it whenever the commercial. So when a commercial would come on, I would jump up and go, Hey, let me tell you about my grandma. And (laughs) the kids are watching me, but they're watching three Budweiser frogs in the back mouth, you know, Budweiser and, you know, stuff like that. That's, that's where a lot of, they make for great stories later, but that's where kind of the frustration happens of like, man, it's just, it's interesting. Wow. Well, like sadly, most of that doesn't surprise me just how quirky some Christian culture can be. Um, Unfortunately, most of it stands up to the stereotype. Uh, Yeah. Why, why can't you be interchangeable with background jazz music as people are getting their food at a buffet? Just tell your jokes. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've done so many of those. I did a a anti-prom banquet one time for a private school. And so they, they had, uh, they called it casino night. So they had all these casino, you know, all this stuff, uh, cause they didn't want the kids drinking. Uh, they wanted them focused on gambling. Yeah. And, I was going to say like, <laughs> what you have anti-prom and then you have casino <laughs> casino night. Cause you, you can't, you know, if the kids dance, they're going to end up, you know, on probation or, you know, in jail <laughs> and stuff, but they double down, you know, oh, wow. on, on 11, but they, so I got there. And they gave me a speaker that had a wire with a microphone. It was a portable speaker. And oh, no. they wanted me to walk around to the tables and no. do stand up while the kids were playing blackjack or, you know, uh, whatever the other gambling, you know, games are and stuff. And uh, I was just like, and I did it. I did it because this is what I do. You know, I signed up for this. So I'm, I'm going to do it. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Hey, I got a great idea. Normally when people start off with that, like, okay, we got this great idea. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Let me just, let me just get up and do my show. I promise it'll be good. I promise the audience will like it. Oh my gosh, man. Well, if I ever know of anybody who's hiring you or if I do like for my group up here in Dallas, like I won't, I won't put you in the broom suit at least for too long. Right. Like I'll let you (laughs) just do do your own thing. Uh, Man, (laughs) that's, That's that's painful, but also funny. Uh, so, all right. So, um, let's reflect on your experience where God has used your talents. Uh, you've talked about that. Some really cool opportunities to kind of read the audience, share testimonies. You know, be able to talk about that. So, for this final two part question, um, why is it good for Christians to poke fun at ourselves, and what are some shows or experiences maybe especially with teenagers or youth workers that would support your answer to that oh that's a good question too so when you show up and you get on stage you really gotta have somewhat of a kind of a cocky attitude to anybody that's going to stand on stage and go you guys are going to listen to me for an hour and I'm going to make you laugh. Like you have to have a little bit of like confidence right and so what I found is I like to get up, especially with with uh, youth group kids, like high school kids. They're going to come in, and I can read the I can read the crowd immediately. There's going to be the the guys that are super cool, and they're going to have their arms folded, and they're not going to laugh because it, they don't look cool when they're laughing. 
And so you got that group and then you got your, uh, you know, girls that always sit down front that think that they're part of the show. So they want to, you know, jump in immediately and start talking to you. And, you know, you got the, you know, little nervous ADD kid over in the side who, you know, is trying to sit still, but he, he wants to be a part of it too. You know, like you have all this, this stuff. And I found, I found out that if I got up and I made fun of myself, especially in the first like three minutes, then I basically am saying, Hey, look, I don't think I'm the greatest guy in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm a dorky guy as well, but God's given me this talent to make people laugh. So, you know, I'm almost disarming people by poking fun at me. So they, they're not looking at me going, Oh, he thinks he's figured it all out. Like he, they're almost rooting for me. You know, I, I do these bits about my voice being really high for a guy or, um, you know, I'm the only guy in the room that can use chapstick as deodorant, you know, like I'm this scrawny <laughs> little, uh, you know, guy, like I, if I make jokes about myself first, then it, it disarms them. And then, uh, then whenever I'm talking about other topics, they're like, Oh, well, he's not just, you know, he's not piling on or, or making fun of other things. He's making fun of everything, you know, and a spiritual answer is this really isn't our final resting place. So we don't need to take it too seriously. And so I think everything's fair game to poke fun at because, you know, we do, especially Christians, we do a lot of dumb things, you know, I mean, testaments, we had testaments, you know, like it, we do a <laughs> lot of weird things. You know, I saw a t-shirt one time at a festival and it was a Mountain Dew uh, ripoff of the design. And it yeah. said, do the Jew. And I remember just standing there going, really? Like, no, that guy didn't have a friend to go. Yeah, that's probably not. Uh, oh, no. Like, it's just. So, yeah, I'm going to make fun of that. I did at that festival with that booth in my tent where I was doing the show. Like, I I think we we got to be able to poke fun at ourselves. You know, some of my best friends that are comedians have done really well, uh, kind of pointing the finger back at themselves and the church and, and Christians, because I think it disarms people. And it's like, oh, they, they don't think they have it, you know have it all together and everything they're, you know, just they're flawed and, and funny. And, you know, they, so people, I think want to hang out with those kind of people then rather than the cocky guy that gets up and is like, all right, let me, let me tell you guys how I'm better than everybody else. I can make you laugh, you know, like that kind of attitude. So yeah, that's a, uh, just don't take yourself too seriously ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I love that, uh, like kind of, uh, not really with comedy, but I feel like this is linked to comedy when people, uh, you know, on the, in the cesspool of Twitter or somewhere online when they're talking about Christian culture or whatever else. And, um, and there are people who, who fire back at them and say, you know, why are you so critical of this? Look at these heathens over here. And their answer is usually, you know, we should deal with the stuff in our own house first. Before yeah. That's a great thing else. Yeah, and, uh, Yeah. I feel like those those jokes uh, can be funny and, and are funny, but also I feel like, uh, especially with a lot of clean comedy too, uh, people realize things are funny most of the time because there's an element of truth in it. And, oh, yeah, that that is funny and weird, but, oh, I wonder uh, if that's why my neighbor won't come to church. Or I wonder if that's why you know, I haven't got over the stigma of this or whatever. Like it, it kind of makes us think. And so I think comedy in that way can also be a tool 
and you know in a maybe a separated way but i think a pretty awesome way i think it can be part of sanctification you know i think it can be a really good thing of self-reflection right yeah absolutely and i mean i think your your specific audience um would maybe get this but We've got to be thick skinned too. I mean, if we're going to yeah. get on, if we're going to try to to change people's mind or try to give them a message of hope or anything like that, we we got to know that we're going to get some haters. I remember right when quarantine happened and everything shut down, uh, I had a dry bar comedy special that released, and it released the week that everything shut down. And I really was excited because that's a whole new audience that's never seen me. And I remember sitting in front of my computer. And I'm like, oh, this is so great because uh, Dry Bar, they, they do clean comedy, but people will watch that and then go watch your other clips. So I was like, they'll see my Dry Bar special and then maybe they'll look at some uh, other bits that have a message to it. Or, you know, like I was excited to, to kind of get it. And so when it first came up, I remember I was like waiting for the comments, like watching it in real time as they posted it. And the first one was uh, I thought Robin Williams was dead. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. That's I there's cause it's like you said, there's an element of truth to it. And I was like, okay, but let's get to the, you know, like people need encouragement. People need to laugh. Like I felt like this is my gift to everybody quarantine. And then the other guy, then the very next comment was, uh, no, he looks like Robin Williams grew up near a nuclear plant. And I was like, all right, all right. So uh, there's some haters here, but, but if you have thick skin, you can kind of laugh that off. And then what the, the third comment was, no, he looks like Robin Williams. If you pulled his ears out and his eyes got all squinty. And I was like, <laughs> right. and I mean, it was Robin Williams, Robin Williams. It was all this stuff. One, one guy didn't say Robin Williams. Uh, one guy posted, uh, he looks like Conan O'Brien and the guy from whose line is it anyway, had a baby but couldn't afford to feed the baby. <laughs> wow. Like that kind of stuff you got to just laugh at because this is the way, I mean, God made me to look like this. God made my person out like you got to just be able to laugh that kind of stuff off. And, you know, be one guy did say uh, he looks like uh, Robert England before the burn. And so I looked up Robert England and it, yeah, I guess it's ready. It's ready. Yeah. So rather than get offended and be like, you know, oh, man, that hurt my feelings or anything. I just I commented right under him. I will haunt you in your dreams. So I think that's the mentality we have. If we're going to stand on the stage or in front of a youth group or if we're going to stand up and try to have a message, we're going to have a target on our back, you know, and we got to be thick skinned and and ready for that and just, you know, let it kind of roll off your roll off your back and just be you know be like no i'm focused on getting this message out and you know not letting the the haters or the outside you know that's where you talk about people being offended i don't ever want to offend anybody but i know i'm going to so i gotta just be prepared for that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure man um definitely uh you know i feel like youth workers i mean especially in dallas there's such a melting pot of you have the upper middle class kind of white neighborhoods. And then you have, there's so many refugees in the Dallas area that people don't realize that Dallas, I mean, back when I moved here uh, over a decade ago, Dallas County was only 25% white. And I bet that's gone down. Um, And so, you know, you have Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship with Tony Evans. You have a lot of great inner city ministries. You have a whole different uh, climate just in your backyard when you, when you go around. And so, 
based on who's watching or who shows up or friends that come that lock in or whatever else. You're right. Whether you're a comedian, whether you're a minister, whether whether you're the guy trying to get everyone to listen so you can do a game that you hope works, um, you you need to be able to kind of roll with what's going to happen and know that you're there for a purpose. Know that if one person uh, laughs, if, if one person has a light bulb of their own go off um, or anything like that, then it's worth it. And you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Even if it's walking around casino night with a handheld speaker. <laughs> I, I did a show. I did a show in Oak Cliff. Uh, my parents grew up in Oak Cliff and my uh, grandparents lived in Lancaster forever. Awesome. Uh, so I know the area really well. And I was doing a show in Oak Cliff one time and it was rough. It was a rough part of town. It was rough. Uh, kids they had foosball uh, tables and ping pong tables and uh, all this uh, they had you know f- video games were you know somewhat popular but um, you know it wasn't like xbox or anything i think it was it wasn't atari but you know um, they but they had so the thing was is kids could come on wednesday night and they could play all these games and they could you know they have snacks and all that kind of stuff but they had to listen to a, a 45 minute uh, you know, message or praise and worship or something. They had something every, every single uh, Wednesday night and they brought me in and the, the youth leader even told me, he was like, this is going to be the roughest crowd. So if you, he actually told me if you have any blue material that you've ever wanted to use, you can use it here. He was telling me it was going to be that kind of uh, rough deal. And it was, I mean, I walked up and immediately the kids started heckling me and, you know, people, they, they, they couldn't stay and play games if they disrupted the service. So that was kind of the rule. Um, but they, they did say stuff to me, you know, they, they, uh, it was just, it was so rough and I just hung in there and afterwards by making these kids laugh and making fun of me. So it kind of disarmed them. They were like, Oh, well, well, hang on. We'll listen to this dude. He's, he's kind of funny. And, uh, and then afterwards I ended up praying with a few of those kids uh, who were, you know, like just they, they were just coming from a bad situation and, uh, you know, surrounded by bad situations and stuff. Um, but just good hearted kids that were trying to, you know, really find purpose in life. And, you know, so it was a rough 45 minutes that totally paid off afterwards. And so I just think we have to keep that in mindset that and if we're being attacked or, you know, like, you know, we're getting a lot of haters and stuff. We've got to be doing something right. I would think, you know, to have that kind of a a tax and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. You know, there's, there's always going to be someone who doesn't like you or even worse, no no matter where you're at. And that's, you know, for people like me who are kind of wired, like I need people to like me. That's hard. Um, Especially in youth ministry where, or Christian comedy where, you know, your, your job or your ministry or both, you don't want that to reflect on your worth, your value. Um, and sometimes that line can get blurred and it's hard. And so it's good for us to have outside perspective to realize how common those elements are of tension and everything else. And to realize, no, like I have all these experiences. I have these stories. I have these examples. Like I know I'm doing what I should be doing. And we need people around us to be telling us that, right? Like you need mm-hmm. Tim, you need other people to be like, man, you wouldn't believe what happened to me here. And, you know, just to be able to kind of encourage 
one another, which is something also in Ecclesiastes, you know, uh, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We need community. That's why the church is not one person or one right. building. It's, it's everybody. And so we need one another. Uh, well, Bob, yeah, this has I, been, I, yeah. I love the new Testament. Uh, Ecclesiastes is amazing. Um, so <laughs> okay. I was wondering if you're going to get that. Yeah, I was, I was oh. like, wait a minute here. Yeah. <laughs> No, but we are, we are built for community. That's why like, we don't need to go through things alone. We need to be, you know, with like-minded people. And that, that's why like our little band of brothers, uh, Christian comedians, man, we, we need to check in with each other every once in a while, just kind of remind ourselves like, no, we're doing a good thing. We have a purpose. Mm. And there's a reason why we're doing this. There's a reason why God's, you know, uh, blessing us or opening doors and stuff like that. And you'll get up you'll get up and you'll do, I've done so many shows where I walked off stage. Like that was terrible. You know, it wasn't fun. It wasn't. And then the crowd seemed to really like it afterwards. You know, like they, they don't know that it's not this great, you know, like one of your best shows they, you know, and then you'll walk off stage and then there'll be somebody that just needed to hear just like maybe one sentence of something you said to encourage them. And you got to keep that in mind. You can't, just be up like, like, oh, well, this crowd's not as energetic as last night's crowd. So I just, you know, I'm going to start dialing it in. And, you know, you got to realize like every single time you, you get in front of a, a crowd, it's an opportunity and you have no idea like what God is doing right then. You know, you have no idea that one person that needs to hear something you said, you know, that God then will take and do something great, you know, in, in their life. And so I, I try to keep that in mind whenever, you know, I'm getting negative comments or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. I'm like, man, it's, I just going to get up, tell my jokes, tell my stories and uh, let God do the rest. Yeah. Awesome, man. That's a good word. Good word. Well, Bob, this has been a fun discussion. I'm glad you're able to join me in the podcast today. Uh, Before we wrap up, tell us where people can keep up and connect with you online and when they might be able to see you perform either online or in person in the future. Well, I don't know if your listeners uh, know about uh, podcast, but I, uh, my wife and I do a, a podcast called hook, line and smiley that comes out every Thursday. Uh, I also write for focus on the family. I write for their uh, middle school magazine and I write this character called average boy. I've been doing it for 19 years now. And I got to write, uh, two comedy devotional books as the character average boy, which is like a junior high version of me. Um, and so we started, uh, almost a year ago, we started a average boy podcast for families, for, uh, you know, families with kids uh, to listen to. And they're really short podcasts. So they can, you know, they can like watch that. And then all the information on there. I'm pretty big on social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram, you know, TikTok. uh, You know, I have tons of YouTube clips. Uh, My website, which is your homepage uh, is (laughs) bobsmiley.com. Right, Jeff? That's right, man. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm all over. I'm all, I mean, if you Google my name, I'm going to pop up. So yeah, for sure. Well, we will have a link to your website uh, in the show notes so people can keep up with you. Uh, man, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Bob. I'll be praying for you as God continues to use you and your gifts and talents, which you are purposed with uh, really just to make people laugh and to point people to Christ. So thanks again, bro. Yeah, man. It was fun. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Bob for joining me. As I mentioned, the link to his website is in the show notes. So check it out and book him for your next event. 
If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. And be sure to follow us on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find those social media handles and more at our website, youthministrymaverick.com. There you will also find some guest bios, a comprehensive list of all of our episodes and show notes, some ministry partners to help you in your own ministry, an online store to support the podcast, published articles by me, and more. So be sure to visit our website for those things. Also, we really love when people give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Apple is the biggest podcast streamer, and it really helps boost our visibility when people give us a good review. So if you go there and give us a review, not just a rating, but a review, take a screenshot of it before you hit submit and send it to me. And as a thank you, I will send you a card with some merchandise that you can't buy on our online store. So be sure to do that. Well, that's all for now. So until next time, thanks again for listening. Adios. Adios.